This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Seattle. called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Wow. That was spectacular as the Mariners win last night. Thanks for being back Seattle Mariners baseball podcast at Mariners pod. Thanks for being here as we get a fun one to talk about the Mariners. Of course, great road trip, taking two of three in three different cities coming back, trying to bring the momentum home. And they played a fantastic ball game. This one is thick. We have a lot to talk about. Taiwan Walker, of course, number one at the very top of the list. He was unbelievable. His start, is incredible to this season. So we'll talk a lot about Taiwan Walker. We have great sound coming from the clubhouse after the ball game as the Mariners beat the Astros 3-2. to two. Some great thoughts on Taiwan Walker from his teammates as well. Chris Sionetta after the game was, was fantastic. So that sound is coming your way as we break this one down. I hope you like strikeout highlights because there's a few coming your way. The number 100 also played a big factor. Kyle Seeger swatted home run number 100 in his career, special home run. And Steve Ciszek, who got the save, closed out his 100th save of his career. Also, Kyle Seeger turned in a fantastic defensive play. And that is becoming more and more part of the Mariners. Not only making the plays, the routine plays, the consistent plays, but they have they're turning in some spectacular defensive plays the last handful of ball games, and the Seager play was right up there, so we'll hear that highlight as well. Also coming up on the podcast, I hope we have time for everything. There's just there's so much. We're going to have a great conversation between Shannon Dreher and Steve Ciszek. Great insight, so that comes up, a nice long conversation. And also Chris Iannetta and what he likes to do off the field. Josh Kearns Another one, another Josh Kearns special. So great podcast coming. I'm glad you're with us. And tomorrow, I'm going to read some of the tweets and emails I got yesterday, which was it was so great because I asked the question, you know, where you're listening to the podcast, and the responses flooded in from all over the world. So I'm going to read some of those tomorrow. I'll get to as many as I can. So feel free to send me more. If you haven't yet, at Gary Hill Jr. on Twitter, you can email me, GaryHillPXP at gmail.com. But you're listening to the podcast all over the world, and it just blows me away. So we'll get to those tomorrow. But first things first, Mariners and the Astros. 
going at it, game one of a three-game series. And the Astros took the lead in the second inning. Gomez with a single, scoring white to give the Astros a one nothing lead. But then in the third inning, the Mariners would strike back with a deep home run. Dug into his windup and a pit. Swung on, driven deep to right. Stay fair. It's going, going, and it is gone. Leonis Martin with a home run. Ties the score at 1-1. Leonis homered in New York. And that's home run number four, RBI number nine. We had a tie ball game at 1-1. That thing was absolutely crushed. I thought it was going to hit the Hit It Here, hit it here Cafe. It was just mashed. Solo blast there to tie the score. And then Mariners playing long ball again. This time, Kyle Seeger, number 100 in his career. The 3-1 pitch, swung on, well hit ball. Deep right center field. Springer to the one, he tracked to the wall. There's number 100. Goodbye baseball. Kyle Seager. Holy smokes with his fourth home run of the season. His second in as many games. And it gives the Mariners a 2-1 to lead here in the bottom of the fourth. It's not a long list of Mariners that have reached 100. Griffey, of course, 417 as a Mariner. Edgar, 309. Jay Buhner, 307. Alex Rodriguez, 189. A.D. Alvin Davis, 160. Raul Abanez, 156. Brett Boone, 143. Jim Presley, 115. Richie Sexton, Ken Phelps, 105. Adrian Beltre, 103. And then Kyle Seeger, 100. 12th most in Mariners history. Ichiro ended up with 99, one behind Seeger. Impressive. Number 100, and it gives the Mariners the lead. And the M's, after scoring in back-to-back innings, they'd make it three in a row thanks to Robinson Cano, who would drive in a big run. Pitch to Cano, swinging a line, driving to center field for a base hit. Marte, Ronnie, third, heading home. Up with the ball is Gomez. The throw to the plate, way up the third base line. Catcher Kratz has to go get it. Marte scores RBI single for Robbie Cano. Down to second goes Smith. It's now the Mariners three and the Astros one. And career RBI number 998 for Robbie Cano and counting. Mariners only four hits in the ball game, but they made the most of them, plating three, although they did draw seven walks, a career high for Doug Fister, who's really a control freak to the extreme, and he walked seven in the game. Another game, though, where the Mariners continued to grind out at bats, and they had plenty of good ones in the ball game. Seven walks they draw. They score three times, but really the story of this one was Taiwan Walker, who was unbelievable, especially as the game wore on. The 2-2 pitch swing and a miss and a changeup for strike three. He strikes out. George Springer needed the strikeout with two on in scoring position, and now there's two outs. And that is strikeout number five for Taiwan Walker in a big one here in the top half of the fifth. And he really started to rack up the K's the last two innings. Wine and a delivery. Swung on and missed. Tagged by Ionetta to complete the strikeout as Taiwan Walker in the sixth strikes out the side. One-two pitch coming here to Luis Valbuena. The pitch. Swung on and missed. He pulled the string on him at 77 miles an hour. That's strikeout number 10 for Taiwan Walker, and he struck out the last five men that he's faced in six of the last seven. The one-two pitch to Kratz. Strike three called. He got him. 
strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. He's rung up six consecutive strikeouts, seven of the last eight he's faced. Wow. Six Ks in a row for Walker to end his start. Seven innings, six hits, one run, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. Unbelievable. I mean, what a way to end. And he nearly got Mark Langston's club record of seven straight strikeouts. He pulled that off in 1984, but Walker ends his start with six straight Ks. Although we can't talk about Walker's start without some defense behind him. Kyle Seeger turned in an amazing play in the fifth inning to save a run. The 2-2, swing and a ground ball down the third baseline, fair, backhanded by Seager, on a hop, the throw to first, and it's in time to get Carlos Correa. Holy smokes, what a play by Kyle Seager behind the bag at third, the backhanded stop. His momentum took him across the line, off balance, a one-hop throw on the money to Adam Lynn, in time to rob Correa to save two runs. It was great. It was a great play. He was in foul territory. Correa can really fly, and he hopped it there, got it right on the money. Long throw, great play. I mean, he had to stop all his momentum, stop fire, and he got him. Unbelievable, helping the cause. And then to the ninth inning we go, Steve Ciszek is on after the Astros cut the lead to one. So he didn't have a lot of room to play with, but got some help from Chris Iannetta. C-Shack ready, runner goes, pitch on the way, a ball thrown on a second by Ionetta in time to get Gomez. Holy smokes, what a throw by Chris Ionetta. He nails Gomez trying to steal, he's out at second, and there's two outs for the Astros here in the top of the ninth inning. C-Shack, couple of hits, he'd walk one, but... Didn't allow a run, and that's what matters. Closed down his fifth save as a Mariner. Save number 100 in his career, and the Mariners win 3-2 to two over the Astros. They take game one of this series. The Mariners move above 500, now 10-9 and nine on the season. And I know April standings, but you look at them, you see the Mariners at the top. Kyle Seager's going to talk about that in a second. I think you'll like what he has to say, but that's never a bad thing no matter what time of year it is as the Mariners on top of the division, on top of the AL West with the win over the Houston Astros. A very impressive win in so many ways. I have a lot of Taiwan Walker items to get to that I'm really impressed with. But first, let's hear about his start. Let's hear from his catcher, Chris Iannetta, talking about Taiwan Walker. Taiwan pitched great. You know, he took a big step forward in what he what he's capable of doing. Um, he just kept getting stronger as the game went on. I think the last pitch was seven. He was great. He's great. You're catching him, and you see that. I mean, that's got to be a little bit different. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, you want him to continually get better throughout the course of the game. You know, he's implementing that slider. The slider is a pitch that's he's still developing, but it's getting a lot better really fast, which is surprising. Uh, he threw some today that were really good. And if he keeps doing that, you can just tell the spin and the shape, how far it's coming along. It looks good. So there were actual sliders. I know the slider's been the cutter, kind of. Yeah, you know, it's still in between a slider and a cutter. Um, it's just 
it's just one of those things that takes time, you know. In 2010, when Rockies, Abaldo Jimenez learned it, it took him three, four months to really get comfortable, and sometimes even a year before it was really a dominant pitch. But Taiwan seems to be a little ahead of the curve, so he's been good. That says something if you can take it into a game. Hey, we also saw a lot of the fastball, good fastball today. You know the Astros can hit it, so that must have been an excellent fastball. Yeah, he does. He has an exceptional one. He has the ability to pitch at the top of the zone with a four-seam fastball better than anyone in the game. He's so big. It looks like he's just placing the ball in my mid, especially when you're hitting. I unfortunately had a hit against him, and it was it was tough. You know, he throws that curveball. He throws that really good changeup, split, whatever you want to call it. And now the now implementing that slider, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. The key is gonna be if he can throw strikes. If he continues to throw strikes the way he does and command the zone, he's gonna be special. He told me after the start against Texas here that you really fired him up in that last inning that he had, and that was something he took into the next start. What do you see from him on the hill in that regard? Yeah, I think about the second or third inning, he kind of got he he got uh, his energy level went up a couple notches. He might have been at a six. I think he went to about a 12. So I think we got to try to find a way to keep him pitching like that. Maybe put some red hot in some certain places on his body and keep him going. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Hey, you erased a big run out there in the ninth inning. That was fun. He, you know, C-Shot gave me a chance to throw him out, and I was able to get a good exchange off and made a good throw, so I was thankful to get him. I thought that was a really good breakdown on Walker from Ionetta, and he was talking about his fastball and looking at Brooks' baseball right after the game. Fastball was was crazy. His velo averaged 96.3 miles per hour. Average maxed out at 98 and a half. I mean, that is bringing it. He's throwing 97 his last inning of work, over 100 pitches. That's crazy. He got 12 swings and misses on the fastball. That's a great rate. That is a great rate. Man, it's just startling to look at. His stuff is filthy, and he is he is harnessing it, and that's scary for the American League. And we're going to talk more about uh, how significant his start is in just a second. But let's hear from Kyle Seeger. He hit homer number 100. He'll talk about Walker as well. And how about where the Mariners are at in terms of standings? Yeah, 100 homers, nice round number. What yeah. thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a milestone. I'm, you know, very um, I'm proud of that. And, you know, I'm glad I came in a win. How impressive was it to you from your vantage point seeing what Taiwan was able to do, especially there late? That, that was... That was about as dominant as you know as I've seen him, or really you know anybody. That was that was really pretty special for me. The you know just the way the ball was coming out of his hand, you know the all the pitches. You know I mean he was he was dominant. He was throwing everything with conviction, and you know he was just an absolute bulldog, and you know pretty much willed us to victory there. I mean we had you know four hits, and he took it in his own hands. So that was pretty incredible. Hey, I know it's early, but taking over first place, any significance or anything like that? I mean, that's where you want to be, you know, early or late, you know. So it's definitely, um, we've been playing better baseball, you know, as of late. And, you know, we had a good good road trip, and it's nice to get the homestand off on a win. Now let's hear from the skipper, get his thoughts on Taiwan Walker. <laughs> yeah, no, what can you say? I mean, awesome, awesome outing. Uh, he's really... He's finding his stride. He's kind of coming into his own, uh, the type of pitcher he can be, and it is some kind of fun to watch. Um, really took over the game the last couple of innings he was out there. You see a guy just, I mean, strike out six in the game, 97 in those. He really wasn't losing anything. He was going the opposite direction. Yeah, you know, he, we've really seen he has the ability to, to turn the dial up. Uh, you know, later in games, there's plenty in the tank. 
Um, I think his adrenaline gets flowing, he gets a little emotional, and he, he gets after it. Uh, uh, I think a lot of them, and I, I think we're, we're, we're watching somebody kind of, like I said, take the next step. Take the next step. It sure looks like it. He was sensational. And here is Taiwan Walker on his start. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I faced these guys a lot. Um, and, you know, me and I sat down um, before the before the game and kind of had a good game plan um, and stuck with it the whole time. And um, it was a lot of fun. You know, the offense scored runs and uh, defense was really, really good behind us. So it was good. Did you have to, I mean, you were rolling so much the seventh inning. Did you have to think your way through some of that? Those were not easy outs. Yeah, I mean, Valbuena, he, he battled a lot. And, um, but, uh, you know, we just kept being aggressive and going right after them. And, you know, it, it definitely worked out. Let's talk about the runs. How about the defense behind yeah. you, especially Seager? Oh, man, it was that, that play right there was huge in the second inning. Um, you know, got to it, quick release, and one hopped over there. And, um, you know, I think that was a, a big turning point after that. You know, I got comfortable and uh, kind of just settled in. Dylan, what can you say? I mean, the last two innings, six strikeouts, 96, 97, you looked like you were getting stronger there, was it? Yeah, I mean, I felt good, and, you know, I just I was just fired up, especially those last two innings, you know, being able to go out, um, even with the high pitch count, you know, I felt really good, I felt strong, um, even towards the end. What's that done for you? It seems like gloves are off right now. He's sending yeah. out two outings in a row, well over 100. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel really good going out there, you know, I, I mean, if I was fatigued, then it would be something different, but, you know, just the fact that, you know, they're kind of, I guess, loosening up the reins a little bit and, and, let, and letting me go out there and pitch, it's, it's been good. Yeah, it's been good. Maybe an understatement. It's been really good. He has been unbelievable. To put it in some context, the best Mariners April with four or more starts. Floyd Bannister has the best ERA, 1.21 in 1980. Number two is Taiwan Walker, a 1.44 ERA now. Second best, Randy Johnson, 1.53 in 92, and Eric Hansen, 1.53 and 93 and with the off day this week Walker's next start should be the first of May so his first month is done and if it is second best month in club history in terms of ERA for four or more starts that is the kind of month he has had there's some just eye-popping numbers this one is I think my favorite Walker now an 8.33 strikeout to walk ratio 25 punch-outs, three walks. To put that in context, that's second best in the American League behind Chris Sale, who's at 8.67. We all know how good Chris Sale is. I mean, that tells you the combo of the strikeouts and walks, it's incredible. That's the level he's pitching at. Another good one, I think. Mariners pitchers who have games of seven-plus innings, 10-plus strikeouts, while allowing one earned run or less. There's only four pitchers at the age of 23 or younger that have had multiple games of seven-plus innings, 10-plus Ks, one earned run or less. Felix did it four times at age 23 or younger. Freddie Garcia did it three times. Mark Langston did it twice. And now Taiwan Walker has done it twice. I mean, that's who's who of Mariners starters. Felix, Freddie Garcia, Mark Langston, Taiwan Walker. I mean, that is great company to be keeping. I mean, it's 1.44 ERA. Right now, that's fourth in the American League. Really incredible stuff. I mean, 
really incredible. And it maps out. You start thinking about the future, and I'm, you know, I'm not talking about the distant future. I'm talking about the future of this year, what this rotation can be with Felix and Iwakuma, and now Walker pitching like this. Good times. It is good times. Also, I do want to give a hat tip to Steve Ciszek for save number 100 in his career. And I also want to mention, because I think it's awesome, he passes Furpo Marbury on the all-time saves list. Furpo Marbury, who saved 99 games from 1923 to 1936. So he passes Furpo Marbury. Steve Ciszek, save number 100. Had to earn it. Another one-run game. But he got it done, and the Mariners get the win. And a fun one, an impressive one, and now a chance to take another series as they'll take the Astros on in game two tonight from Safeco Field. So Dallas Keuchel is going to get the ball for Houston, 2-2, two and 3-7-1 two, ERA. He has had some struggles this year. It hasn't been clear sailing so far. Keuchel this year, he started out, his first start against the Yankees only allowed two and seven innings. And then uh, three earned runs against Milwaukee in five and two-thirds. Then was fantastic against the Tigers, went eight scoreless. Last time out against the Rangers, six innings, 13 hits, and six earned runs. Also gave up a home run. He keeps the ball on the ground constantly, so doesn't give up a ton of home runs. But he has struggled on the road the last couple of years, so this is going to be an interesting start. But, you know, he won the Cy Young last year, so struggle may be an overstatement. But compared to some of his home numbers, you could say struggle. Last year had a 1.46 ERA at home. He was 15-0 and 0 at home and 129 in a third inning, struck out 139. But on the road, a different story, a 3.77 ERA. 102 innings pitched and only fanned 77. Opponents batted 186 against him at home and 253 on the road. So the numbers very different, and we'll see if the Mariners can take advantage of that. Meanwhile, Nathan Carnes will go to the hill for the Mariners, and I'm interested in this matchup because it's something we've talked about with Carnes and his strikeout rate, and I think he's got he has a chance to rack a few up against the free-swinging Astros tonight. The trick, though, is you can't leave it over the plate because the Astros will make you pay. They can hit the long ball, and they really can make you pay with a couple runners aboard. And they can put some crooked numbers up pretty quickly. Last time out, Carnes pitched into the sixth against Cleveland, gave up five hits and four earned runs. He's given up one home run in each of his starts. He's walked four in each of his last two starts. He has struck out uh, five in his last start, seven, the one before that, and six, the one before that. So Mariners, a chance to take the series, but they have to go through Dallas Keuchel to do it, and that's never an easy thing. Okay, right now we're going to hand things over to Josh Kearns. This is fun. We heard from Chris Iannetta a moment ago. Now we get to hear about what he does off the field. Wine has always been in the Ionetta blood going all the way back to Italy. 
So it's little surprise Chris got his first taste for the nectar of the gods from his grandfather. Back in Italy, just like everyone, I think everyone in the town made wine um, just for their own personal consumption. And then when he came over here, he kind of did the same thing. He'd go to the farmer's market and buy grapes that were imported from Napa. But it wasn't until Chris made it to the majors that his own love of wine and connection to his past was awakened. We start going out to big league, quote unquote, big league dinners and go to a steakhouse and have a glass of wine. So for me, I didn't really drink up until then, but it was a way for me to reconnect with him. What started as a passing fancy for the Mariners' new catcher turned into a passion. When he was with the Angels back in 2012, a dinner with teammate Vernon Wells that included some high-end wine would spark a new direction for the pair, starting their own winery. Just kind of materialized. My financial advisor had some constant friends in Napa and some contacts. We got hooked up with our, our winemaker, Grant Long Jr., who started his own virtual business and then grew it to now owning a vineyard and a winery. So he kind of set us along a track. And the winery they called Jack was born. We didn't want it to be baseball related. We wanted it to just be wine. We wanted to attach ourselves from the baseball scenario. But we were kicking it around, and I was like, well, what are, what are our kids' names? And we took our initials, the kids' initials, and we kind of figured out what it spelled. And, you know, we're toying around for a little bit, and it spelled Jack. So we're like, that's cool. We get to we get to model it after our kids, who we, we both love and adore, obviously. And we get to kind of mortalize them by putting on them on their name on a bottle. Two bottles, actually. A Cabernet Sauvignon and a Sauvignon Blanc. For now, though, they're not digging in the dirt or stomping grapes in bare feet or anything like that. We don't have an actual vineyard yet. That might be something that's happening pretty soon. But, um, you know, we source our grapes from Diamond and Howell Mountain. Um, Grant Long Jr. makes our wine for us. Um, one spring training a few years ago, he came down with some barrel samples because our schedules are tough. And I got to sample the different barrels that he was potentially going to blend and use for our cab. We picked the wine the way we wanted it to taste. It's serious stuff, especially the cab. Aged in French oak barrels for 22 months, Ionetta describes it as bold and rich with big fruit boasting undertones of herbs, mocha, and appropriate for a baseball player, hints of tobacco. I'm biased and unbiased. From a biased standpoint, I love it. From an unbiased standpoint, it's really good wine. Uh, we wouldn't put our name on anything that wasn't very good to begin with. Don't just take his word for it. He says ask around the Mariner's locker room. We brought in a couple bottles, and I know Benoit is a big wine guy. He loved it. Um, everyone else who tried it said it was awesome. We've got rave reviews. You know, it's not just our biased opinion. You get some unbiased people out there, too, that really like it. That includes Mariner's great and hitting coach Edgar Martinez, who recently stocked his own cellar with a couple of cases of Jack. He makes good wine. It's a very good wine. It's a young, young wine, but uh, it's very good. You can still drink it now. So you think he's got a future? He does. He's, uh, he knows uh, the wine industry. It looks like he, he knows it very well, and he, uh, it's a good wine, so that's, that's a good sign. But don't expect Ionetta to trade his cleats for corks entirely anytime soon. For right now, it's a hobby because we're not making a profit. <laughs> it's not technically considered a business. Um, you know, it's a, it's a fun hobby. It's something that, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep growing slowly, and if it goes in the right direction, We'll do it for a very long time. We'd love to grow it into something spectacular. A bottle of red, a bottle of white. It all depends upon your appetite. For now, you can only buy Jack Wine in limited quantities by allocation on their website or in higher-end restaurants. And if his career with the M's gets better with age, just like his wines, Ionetta just might have to change his allegiances and start incorporating Washington-grown grapes into his future bottlings. Uh, there's a few wineries out here that I grew up liking, um, so I definitely know the area is a big wine nation. Hopefully they're not insulted that I'm in Napa, but I would really love for everyone to try it. I think they'd really enjoy it.
Chris does have one regret that Grandpa Ionetta didn't get a chance to try it himself. For the Mariners Sunday Magazine, I'm Josh Kearns reporting. And now we've talked a lot about Steve Ciszek and his 100 saves, so let's hear from him. Here's Shannon Dreyer. Kind of an interesting start to the season. I'm going to think that in your job, nothing's ever guaranteed. You don't know when you're going to pitch. But getting into a season, what's kind of the challenge of, of just kind of getting into a routine and getting into a rhythm? Um, I think just being on a new team, you have to you know find out. You know, every team does. You know, batting practice times different, or some teams have their bullpen guys go out early, or whereas everyone goes out at the same time. So I think right now it's just trying to find a. A routine that works for all of us, and uh, I think you know something we've been working on, and um, you know we've gotten to a point where, you know, I, I like to be you know time oriented, where we have a set time for everything. Um, so uh, it's we're starting to learn what's starting to work for us, and um, it's, we're we're, me- we're meshing pretty well. A lot of schedules on the wall in there. It used to be there'd be three things on the board, and right. now they're like twelve things. What are the things that you absolutely need to do for yourself every day on a daily basis, routine-wise? Well, definitely throw and run, but I also need to give myself time to get loose to throw. You know, I'm not a uh, 25-year-old in the league anymore, so I just like to make sure I get everything loose. You know, foam roll. Uh, I'm in the weight room before you know I come out here usually and get my work done in the training room and. Uh, and I need to throw every day, you know, just to work on my craft every day. And that's how we stay fresh. And, um, and like we were talking about earlier with the routines, you know, our routines are what carry us through the season. So we become monotonous sometimes, but it's essential. I think you were out there with the football earlier today. Yeah, we, uh, they, yeah, the, we like to have a little fun, you know, when we do uh, our, you know, our conditioning. So mm-hmm. instead of just running straight, boring sprints, we run routes and stuff. Easy, no jumping allowed, you know, making sure we don't get hurt and we catch a nerf football. But just you know you're running just as hard if not harder after a football than when you're running by yourself so it's good work maybe with the golden retrievers and tennis balls next <laughs> we'll that's, that's what i feel like anyways <laughs> all right so we haven't quite scouted the pen yet if you had to pick two receivers for either side and you're the quarterback who, who are your two receivers from this group from in the bullpen yeah. oh definitely uh, montgomery he reminds me of gronkowski oh. i call him gronk and uh you know peralta's starting to get pretty good he's starting to get some hands but you know um when we're back at home, Furbush probably notices the, is the guy that's been, uh, he hasn't really dropped many balls. We're only supposed to catch the ball with one hand. That's part of the rule. It's easy to catch two hands, but you have to be able okay. to have a little flash. So well, You realize he's had a lot of practice. He's had a lot of practice. Yeah, he's been doing this for a while, so it was impressive. All right, I know they don't allow you to throw out there. That's uh, the job of the trainer. But, you know, first thing, everybody sees you, and they see that delivery. Where did that start? When did you first kind of drop down like that? Um, you know, when I, I've always been like a low three-quarter, maybe not quite sidearm like I am now. But um, when I was in high school, I, I always watched Derek Lowe and Pedro pitch. I just liked their mechanics. And, uh, you know, I thought I was emulating them. But then when I saw myself on video for the first time in college, I realized I wasn't even close. So I just wanted Lowe's sinker. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just tried to mimic his mechanics. And somehow I came out to this. Did anybody ever try and take you up top? Yeah, so my second year in pro ball, they tried to get me up top a little bit more and create more angle, and uh, it was a disaster. I got rocked, so they let me go back to where I was comfortable. So what's the key to getting sync when you're coming side? I just make sure I get on top of the ball as much as I can. You know, When I throw, I feel like I'm throwing overhand, so it feels like I'm getting on top, but you know, obviously it's not the case when you see it on video. If you're throwing to first base, are you throwing overhand or are you throwing still? You're still, still, still sidearm. I, yeah, literally, like, literally it's my natural arm slot. I throw a football that way. You know, wiffle ball, you name it, I'll throw everything sidearm. Well, whatever works, you stick with it. That's right, that's right. right. Now, last year, Ciszek's mechanics at the start of the year derailed his season. 
Plenty was learned in the struggle, however. You know, I just tried too hard, I think. You know, when things went south, I was doing way too much to try to get myself back. And I really, I came into camp with a lower arm slot, and I knew I needed to get my hand on top of the ball more. And it seems like an easy adjustment, but with my mechanics, it, I, know I struggled for a little bit. So I think I just pressed too much. You know, um, when I got sent down to double-A, it was an eye-opener. You know, I was able to work on my stuff and get my mind right. And then uh, I felt like the second half of the season, it was much better. But... At this point in the year, I feel better right now than I had all of last year. So, are you a little bit more reliant on uh, video because of the mechanics? And of the no, I, I'm about the same. You know, every time I pitch the next day, you know, win or lose, you know, good outing, bad outing, I I, I just like to look to see where my hands at, um, and I like to see where the pitches end up. Because in my mind, if I throw a pitch I think is good and it gets hit, and I look on video the next day, uh, maybe it wasn't the case. Maybe it was down the middle, so I just have to be better next time. But and if it was good, what do you tell yourself? Good job. <laughs> <laughs> move on. Okay. Yeah, just it's move gonna, on. It's gonna get hit sometimes. Right. When things are going well, I don't mess with anything. But you know, when yeah. there's a you know a few times during the year where you don't feel great, you're either your body's tired or you're off mechanically, and that's what you know where video comes in and is beneficial. You spent a little bit of time in the Cardinals organization, and they're just legendary for what they do with pitching. What did you take from them, or was there anything you wanted to see on that end when you were? No, I mean, they have a great leader in, in Yadier Molina, you know, catching. And a, a lot of guys, when I first got over there, like, do I need to talk to him? Like, what about what I like to do? And like, dude, I wouldn't even bother. He probably already thought about how he's going to use you in the game. And and uh, probably just, lay, he, the word was, or, you know, he probably laid down in bed thinking about how he's going to pitch you and the rest of us, so don't even worry about it. Wow. I was like, ah, all right. So it's, it pretty much made it easy for me, just whatever he threw down. You know, typically we don't shake off. But, uh, um, you know, I just throwing to him was, was pretty unique. What have you found in your new catchers here? Uh, they're great. You know, they, they're very good with um, communication. You know, Ionetta wants to know how you like to work, and obviously he probably looks at video and stuff. But, um, you know, the big thing in spring that we harped on since we're all new is communication. Tell them what you like to do, what pitches you like to throw, in which situation. And um, I feel like even Clevenger, you know, us, you know, those two catchers alone, um, we're already in sync, so it's been an easy transition. Different personalities for the two, it seems. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> They're both pretty quiet and laid back. Ionetta is like a you know silent assassin, I guess you can say. He's a quiet guy, but he's he's a little fiery inside. Yeah. Uh, he's a competitor, you can tell. And, and Clev is the same way, you know. When it's, he likes to have a little fun, you know, he's really easy going. But when it's game time, you know, he takes it very seriously. Yeah, you can tell that. Uh-huh. What What do you do? Once you get into the bullpen, are you a guy that goes out at the start? Uh, how do you prepare once the game starts? Yeah, I, I feel like if everyone else has to be out in the field, I, I should be out there with them. So very rarely will you see me you know, walk out there. Like yesterday, I forgot to do something in the training room, so I came out in the first. But you know, 99% of the time, I'm walking out there with the bullpen guys and you know, staying loose. And uh, that's just the way I've always done it, so I just try not to change it. When do you kind of lock in in a game? Um, typically about the sixth inning. You know, I have a little Red Bull and... You know, give myself a half inning to re- longer to relax, and once you know, between the sixth and the seventh, I just I just might start moving around and really get locked in, visualizing pitches and ready to go. You have a Red Bull to relax. <laughs> well, it's it's relaxing because it doesn't take about it takes about 20 minutes to kick in. Okay. <laughs> there we go. And that's about the right time to be out there. There we go. How much do you? I mean, there are some guys that are out there that are emotion guys or adrenaline guys. I mean, do you try and keep it even, or do you try and use that? No, I want the adrenaline. That's why I like. That's why I've enjoyed closing is uh, you get the ultimate adrenaline rush and um, just there's nothing like going out there when your heart's thumping, you know, and, you know, teaching yourself how to relax and use that for your benefit. And, um, you know, it's something I've learned early on closing and uh, something that obviously I still use today. You have to slow the game down. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball.